Um, but this is kind of our first official Sunday. Now we're kind of doing a soft opening today. We're kind of still figuring some things out, you know, uh, sound levels, the kids area. Everything is going so well, though. We're really excited about the grand opening next Sunday. Y'all can be out there and tell people what to expect next week when they come. But there's a lot to be thankful for in our new home right here. Um, I'm thankful, and um, speaking of being thankful, it's Thanksgiving weekend. I hope that y'all had a great Thanksgiving. I did. And we traveled around a lot for Thanksgiving, and we drove all over Georgia pretty much for various um, meals, and I ate way too much, which I'm sure that we all did. But as I'm driving on the road, I'm thanking God. I thank God for, you know, the colors of the season. I thank God for time with my family. I thank God for the Georgia Bulldogs. You know, all the important things, all the important things. Make sure I check them all off. But I want to ask you, did you remember to thank God this past week? Do Do you remember? Let me put it this way. Do you remember to give God thanks? And when you do, what do you thank him for? Maybe it's health, family, Friends, what makes your list? You know, I was reading um, this past week in a magazine article that was printed in Parade magazine that listed all the things to be grateful for in life. And they had a list of like a hundred different things. And so what I wanted to do is I just wanted to share a few of these with you and see if this would make your thankful list. Okay, so what I want you to do is I want you to give me a thumbs up if this would make your list or a thumbs down if it wouldn't. Okay, so for instance, here's, here's your first example. Number five was a big bite of a perfectly baked cookie. Is that something to be thankful for or not? Big bite of a perfectly baked cookie. Let me see. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. It doesn't have to be perfectly baked to be a thumbs up for me. Any old cookie will do. Number six. While we're on taste, here's number six. Sipping a hot drink. Thumbs up for coffee. Thumbs down. Thankful for coffee. Yes. Okay. A lot of thankful for coffee out there. Uh, Number nine. Church bells ringing. What do you think? Thumbs up? Thankful for that? Yeah. I say we start a petition to redo the tornado siren that's 12 o'clock every Saturday and do that with church bells instead. What do you think? I think we'd all be in a better mood on Saturday if that would happen. Number 11 was vacation. I I think we all give a thumb. Yes, absolutely. Number 13, this is real. Stretchy pants made the list. Stretchy pants. (laughs) Especially on Thanksgiving, right? Stretchy pants. Big deal. Number 14, y'all are going to think that I'm making this up, but I am not. Number 14 was dad jokes. Dad jokes. Thankful for dad jokes. Yes. Which reminds me of a joke I heard. I love that I get to start out the new building with dad jokes. Do you know when a joke becomes a dad joke? Do you know when a joke becomes a dad joke? It's when it becomes a parent. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know what? New building, let's just rip the band-aid off. Just go ahead and get the dad jokes going. All right, that was number 14. Number 17, okay, this one I would definitely put on my thankful list. Funny home videos. Funny home videos, y'all like, are y'all like me and you stop the scrolling for funny home videos? Because I'll tell you what gets me every time are funny dog videos. For instance, I brought this video to share of Stella. This is Stella, okay? And Stella loves leaves, which you're about to see. She loves piles of leaves and poof. (laughs) Isn't that great? All right, just in case you missed it, let's all watch that again because this just puts me in a good mood right here. This is so, how many of y'all want, when you see, uh, how many of y'all want to do the exact same thing when you say, 
<laughs> just get lost. Do you know, I don't know what's wrong with my algorithm on social media, but all I get are funny dog videos. It's like somebody at Twitter is going, oh, Jimmy's going to love this one. So anyway, all right. Number 22 is a stranger opening the door for you. I'm going to be thankful for that. Number 24 is a red light that turns green as you pull up. Amen, glory, hallelujah, praise Jesus when that happens. Number 41, sweatshirts. We're thankful for sweatshirts. Yes, and you too can have a sweatshirt for $30. Uh, <laughs> when you leave today, just, you know, put that little ad in there. See Miss Dawn after the service. Anyway, the list goes on and on and on. And there's a lot to be thankful for. This is a silly list. But, of course, we have a lot of things to be thankful for. And as we move into this new place, as we have this new place to worship, man, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that we have a church building. But more than that, more than that, what I want you to know is that I'm really thankful for the people that are inside the church. I'm really thankful for this church family. I'm really thankful for this church congregation. I want to talk to you this morning about the church. Because church is more than just a building. I'm very excited about this building. I'm very excited about what God is building inside this building with the people that are here. So let's talk about the church. And, and to start things off, I, I want to teach you something. That the church is used over 100 times in the New Testament. And when it's used, it appears as the Greek word ekklesia. Okay, let, let, me, let me teach you a little bit. Ek means out of, and klesia means calling. Okay, so there's this idea that we are called out to be gathered together, and that's what we do, right? That's who we are. We're the church. We are better together. And, and the first time that the church is ever mentioned in the New Testament, guess who, guess who mentions the church the first time? Guess who mentions it? It's, it's Jesus, okay? Just... Just, just so you know, Jesus is usually a good answer for most of the questions, okay? okay just, just throw that out there. Okay. Jesus. Jesus uses it first. And let me tell you the time that he mentions it. When he mentions it, he's gathered with his disciples at a pretty popular location. A location at Caesarea Philippi. Now, I've been to this location during my trip to the Holy Land. And I brought a picture. Here's a picture of Caesarea Philippi. And what you got to know about this spot, it's very interesting. It's a really cool place to be. But you'll see the cutouts in the rock wall that are behind there. And those cutouts were used for false idols. Okay, so you had these little statues in those, or something that resembled or, or signified that false idols. All over, and the, the wall goes to my right-hand side as well. Okay, so there's more and more. So it's in this spot, surrounded by all these false idols, okay? That Jesus has this question. He looks at his disciples. And here's what he asks them. He says this. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do people say? And you know the Son of Man is Jesus, right? That's another name for the Messiah. So basically what he's asking the disciples is who is everybody saying that I am? And some of y'all know this story. You've heard this story before. And the disciples' minds were racing. They're standing in the middle of all, this. all these people are gathered around. All these different conversations are happening. They're all talking about all these false gods. And here's what the disciples said in verse 14. He said, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. And still others say that you're Jeremiah or that you're one of the prophets. Like you're one of those old prophets that's come back for us. So that's what everybody else is saying about him. But Jesus says, okay, that's great that you're telling me what everybody else... But then he turns it, and he gets very specific, and he asks them. And in verse 25, he says, who do you say 
Who do you say that I am? Right? I understand what everybody else says. I understand what the conversation is. Like, like, I've been around. I've heard what people are saying. Like, I get that. But now let's get specific. Like, who do you say that I am? And this is the moment in the middle of all those false gods, right? In the middle of all the, the, the wrong answers, this is the moment that Peter speaks up. And, and you know what's coming next. Peter says this. He says, Jesus, you're the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus, of course, he loves this answer. He's like, good job, Peter, right? So he says, Peter, you're blessed. You are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because no person taught you that, right? My father in heaven showed you who I am. So I'm going to tell you that you're Peter. You're Peter, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And the power of death, now, now we're going to talk about this a little bit too, but the power of death, some, some of your translations don't say death, but it says Hades or it says hell. But the power of death will not be able to defeat it. And I love this. I want you to notice something in that last line. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my, it's his church, Right? It's, it's his church to build. So Jesus is looking at Peter. Peter is a.k.a. the rock, right? He was, he was the rock before the rock was the rock, right? He was like, like the original rock, right? So he's the rock. And Jesus is like, on, this ro- on you and on the disciples and on the gospel message of what I'm coming to do, like I'm going to build the church. The church is going to happen and you're going to help me make that happen. And Jesus, what I want you to see, Jesus cares about the church. Jesus loves the church. Jesus wants to build his church. It's very important to him. Always has been, always will be, and it should be. It should be. The church should be so important to us. So with all that being said, what I thought I'd do is I I thought I'd just share a few minutes of things that have happened to me at the church. Mostly in my time of growing up in the church, um, just some random thoughts of the significance that church has played in my life. And I'll give you a little bit of context for this. My dad was a preacher, so my life pretty much revolved around the church. In fact, I remember the first day when I was very little, I remember the first day that my dad told me that I could no longer sleep in church. Did y'all ever have that conversation with your parents? <laughs> but back in the day, you know, we had a small church, not no kids church during church, you know, and we had those long pews and our church had just bought those thick pew pads. Do you remember the pew pads? Do you remember? Oh, those were comfy, right? So when he'd start to preach, man, I would just lay down, right? So I remember when we had that conversation. I also remember growing up, man, I was always involved in the church. I was always around the church. And when I was a student in student ministry, I was so thankful for my youth group. I was so glad for the opportunity to be around other students that shared my values, that were trying to become more Christ-like. And I remember throwing this party for the kids. Like we were doing something extra special. We were tying up balloons and we were cutting ribbon. And one of my friends was holding the ribbon like this and I was cutting the ribbon like this and right when I got ready to cut somebody yelled Jimmy and I'll get very easily distracted so I said like yes and I snipped the tip of his finger off y'all right in the church I did it's so I can't believe I just told y'all that in fact I think I just threw up in my mouth just a little bit thinking about it um don't worry about him he's fine worry about me because the mental trauma that did to me for the rest of my life but events of the church, man, I was always at the church. Um, I remember 
as an older teenager, I remember the day I taught the prettiest cheerleader in Chris County High School to go out with me, and then I brought her to the church, and I shared my love of Christ with her, and I shared my love of the church with her, and I remember the day that she gave her life to Christ, and I remember the day that she was baptized at 17 years old at the church. I should probably tell you all that was Shannon. Okay, that was Shannon, just in case, <laughs> just in case y'all are wondering. I remember later on our marriage in that same church, surrounded by our church family. I remember having the lapel while we were getting married. The lapel was on me so that you could pick both her and I up on the video, but it was on me. And, and I remember I, I cried so hard that on the video, all you heard was this. <laughs> all during the wedding, me sucking snot, just trying to, I can't believe I said that either. Um, just the whole time, but I remember being married in the church. I remember my little girls being baptized in the church. I remember them growing up in the church. And now I want y'all to know that the church has impacted them in such a strong way that they're helping start a new church in Athens. It's crazy. I remember the day that Shannon and I found out that we would have the chance to begin a new congregation, a new church in Columbus. And I remember the joy of that and thinking to myself, man, I, I get to be a part of that, helping other people know the importance of the church and how thankful I am for the church and for the opportunity to be a part of the church. You see, I'm thankful for the church, man. I'm thankful that we're called to be the church, that we're called out to gather together. I'm thankful that God cares so much about the church. And just to illustrate how much God cares for the church, I thought I would do something kind of interesting, something a little new. I'm just curious to see how this hits you this morning. I want to read from the Old Testament from Proverbs 31. Now, if you've been in church for a little while, probably some of you are thinking Proverbs 31, like I've heard this before. This is, um, this is the Proverbs for the godly woman. Okay, I, I usually preach on this for Mother's Day. I've done this a few times. But the proverb, this, this paints this incredible picture for us of the high standards of a godly woman. But to break this down even further, when it comes to the um, Proverbs 31, if you just want to be smart in conversations with other people, just tell them that this is an acrostic poem, okay? Which means that each verse starts with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 letters, 22 verses. So all, every one of them gives a different quality of a godly woman. For example, if I did this with Shannon, I would say Shannon is A, adorable, B, beautiful, C, Christ-like, D, directionally challenged. I don't know, you know, but you get, like, you get the idea. Like, that's how kind of that would go, right? So another thing to remember that when we're talking about the Old Testament is that everything in the Old Testament points towards the coming of the Son of Man. What Jesus is talking about, right? It points to the coming of the Messiah. It points to Jesus himself. And then one more thing to know about this. There is a strong relationship between God and his people, God and his church, okay? And when God, what he does to illustrate the strong relationship he has with his church is something very unique. He describes a relationship with his church and the strongest relationship that we know, the strongest bond that we have, and that is marriage, Okay, so with all that in mind, what I want to do is that when we read Proverbs 31, I want to put God or Jesus for the husband, and I want to put the church for the woman or the bride. So let's read it this way that illustrates the relationship that Jesus has with his church, the bride. 
So here's how it would go. In verse 10, it says this. It's hard to find a good wife because she is worth more than rubies. What if we read it like this? It's hard to find a good church because the church, the church is so valuable. It's worth more than rubies. Let's try that with a few more. Verse 12. She, the church, does him, Jesus, good and not harm for as long as she, the church, lives. Verse 17. She, the church, she does her work with energy and her arms are strong. Verse 18. She, the church, knows that what she makes is good. Verse 20. She, the church, welcomes the poor, helps the needy. Verse 25. She, the church, is strong and she's respected by people. She, the church, looks forward to the future with joy. Verse 28, her children, her congregation speak well of the church. Her husband, Jesus, praises her. Verse 30, charm can fool you and beauty can trick you. But the church, but a woman, the church who respects the Lord should be praised. Now, I hope this kind of connects with you in a little way. Because if it does, it might be because you realize that that church, the church isn't just something that we go to, right? It's great that we have a place of our own. Man, I love this, right? And nobody is more excited about having a place for worship than I am. Trust me, right? But also, it's more than just having a place to go. It's more than just having to attend once in a while. You see, the church is the bride of Christ, Right? The amazing part of all of this story and what you got to know is this relationship that God has with his church. A relationship that's strong, it's loving, and he's calling you to be a part of the church. You see, again, I love the fact that we have this building. I love it. I don't, I don't want to get so caught up in buildings, though, that we fail to recognize what God is still building inside the building. Inside this congregation, with the people that are gathered here. Now that we have our own place, you know, church isn't just somewhere that you go. If if church is just a destination, well, it's somewhere that you can leave, right? It's not just a place that you go. It's not just a destination. It's an identity. It's not just a building. It's a people. That's why we say we don't just go to church. We are the church. And we're here to serve. We're here, here to help. We're here to lift each other up, to be the family that we all know that we need. Because the world out there is tough. Things are difficult every day. I don't have to tell you that. You know that. In fact, I think it's very interesting that Jesus talks about the church in Matthew 16, 18. Let me go back to that verse. He says, on this rock, he said, I will build my church and the power of death will not be able to defeat it. Now, it's very interesting to me that when he says, I'm going to build my church, he could have said anything next. Like he could have said, I'm going to build my church and the church is going to care for the widows, which is normal, which is what you would expect. Like that's, that's part of the church's responsibility is to serve others, right? That would totally be what you expect. But he doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I'm going to build my church. Right, and then, and then there will be peace on earth, which is the reason Jesus came. Jesus came to bring peace on earth. We celebrate peace on earth during Advent time. The peace that Jesus brings between us and God. The peace that comes inside, that fills us, that, that, that surpasses all understanding that we say. You know, but that's not what he said. What does he say? He says, I'm going to build my church in the power of death. Now, your translations might also say the power of hell or Hades. 
will not be able to defeat it. So get this, the the first time Jesus talks about this church, he makes it very clear, he's very plain about this, that, that there is a battle raging out there. Which makes me wonder, like, what are you battling right now? Like, what's your battle? Some of us might feel like we're battling the checkbook. I say checkbook. Nobody really says checkbook. Maybe your, uh, you know, your credit card or whatever, uh, your debit card, um, just trying to pay the bills. Some of you might be feeling like you're battling your kids' grades. You know, oh, if they would just pass lit, you know. Maybe some of you feel like you're constantly in battle with your job. How much time it's saving, you know, trying to struggle between the battle between having home life and work life and how am I going to get everything done? I, I want to fill you in on something. It's a battle out there and we're being attacked every day. The enemy is real and there, there, there is someone out there that scripture says who, whose purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. And I, don't, I, don't want to, I don't mean to scare anybody. I'm not trying to do that. I just want you to know that there is... Someone out there, there is Satan at work out there. There is an enemy out out there that wants nothing more than to hurt your witness and to drive a wedge between you and your relationship with God and your relationship with the church. You know that, right? And if you don't know that, come talk to me because I have examples to give you. In fact, there's certain times, and you know, I know you have, you have examples in your life where things are going well, something happens and you're like, oh, that's the enemy right there. Have you ever said that? Like that is, that is Satan at work right there. Do you know, Satan knows exactly what to do to get me, what to bring me down. He knows just what buttons to push, and man, he can push them well. In fact, I'll tell you this, about a year ago, I remember things were going great, uh, felt good, had a good Sunday morning, felt good about my message, you know, had a great Sunday afternoon, everything's going well, then Monday comes. And Monday, I got a phone call at the church. Now, generally, phone calls at the church are a mixed bag because most of the time, people don't call the church just to tell the preacher, hey, everything's going great. <laughs> you know, generally, it's other stuff. Um, it's part of it. Um, but this, uh, this particular conversation, we'll just say somebody had some tough thoughts. And they just kind of brought me crashing down. And it's almost like Satan was like, I know exactly what to do. I, 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 know, I know how to get Jimmy. And then... So cool. Right after that conversation, I'm feeling kind of down. I remember God mobilized the church. And I had two or three texts just out of the blue from some of you here at the church that sent me an encouraging text. And you had no idea what was going on. You didn't know that I needed to pick me up. You didn't know that I was being attacked, so to speak. You didn't know what was going on. It was just like God's like, I got this because I have the church. And here comes the church, right? We got this together. And immediately, the church was there to help me with that battle. I'm thankful for the church because it is a battle out there. The the battle that's being waged, listen, it's not against flesh and blood, okay? It's it's not, the battle that we should be facing isn't against somebody that doesn't vote the same way I do. You know, the battles that we face, they're not about... You know, they, well, they post something I don't like. It's, it's not even about theological differences within the church. That's not our battle. Our battle is real. And what we are is the church that are, is supposed to be united together to help push back on the enemies of darkness, right? That's who we are. And that's the benefit of being a part of a church. 
So let me encourage you a little bit. It's a great time to talk about the church because we're in this new building, right? I just want you to know that you need the church. As if you don't know that already, I just, I just want to remind you to be thankful for the church. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. Together we're better. We lift each other up. We love, we convict, we correct, we encourage. You weren't meant to do it all alone. I got your back, you got mine. Thank goodness we have an amazing church family. And not only do you need the church, but the church needs you because you're gifted. God has gifted you in a specific way to serve the church, right? So when you work one, worship one on Sunday mornings, when you hold a baby, when you hold a door, when you hold a box of pizza for the homeless down at Rose Hill, whatever you do, when you, when you serve with your tithes and offerings, when you invite somebody to next week's grand opening, right? When you do all that, you show that you're being grateful and thankful for the church. Because it's a privilege and it's an honor to serve the church. And let me tell you, when you do that and other people see what you're doing and how you're acting towards the church that you're serving the church like that, let me tell you, friends, it, it makes a difference because it's so awesome, it's so different, and it's just the purpose that we need. So the church isn't here just to serve my needs, Right? The church isn't just a building, although I'm so thankful for the one that we're in. I just want to remind everybody, we are the church. And we exist to make a difference in the lives of the people around us in this building and outside this building as we take more ground for the cause and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that I have you in this church. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you so much for this amazing place to worship together. God, we thank you for all that you have provided. But more importantly than a church building, God, we thank you for the church family, the congregation itself. God, we thank you that you have brought this amazing family together. We thank you for what you're building right here, right now at the Ridge. We're so honored that you love us. We're so honored that you died for us. We so, we're so honored and thankful that you're coming again to claim your bride, the church, as Scripture says. So as we wait for your return, God, we long for your return. May we just be faithful in how we serve you right now. God, use us. Use us for your glory. Use us for your kingdom. May we be the church serving the world for the sake of the gospel. It's in your name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.